Praise the Lord. Let's be seated. There's another person that we would, in addition to what Pastor said, we would want to thank, and that's Brother Daniel. Daniel, thank you so much for coordinating the event on that day. Are you here? Are you here, Brother Daniel? He's traveled. All right, we thank God for, for Brother Daniel. Also thank God for Brother Vivekan and, and his team. I should not forget them. Thank you so much. And we thank God for, for what you've done and how you've served the Lord. And he is mindful of his blessings, of your service, and he will bless you in Jesus' name. We'll uh, turn to the Word of God, and this time we take a break from study of Book of Acts, and we come to a seasonal message from the Gospel according to Luke. And I'd like you to turn to Luke chapter 1, verses beginning from 46 through to 55, 56. The Gospel according to Luke chapter 1. Verse 46. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful, to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months, and then returned home. Before we continue, let's bow our hearts in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, indeed, it is lamp and light. It is fire and hammer. Lord, the entrance of your word gives light and it gives understanding unto the simple. Father, now as we bow our ears to your word, we pray that you would hear us and speak unto us. 
God, we pray that all distractions would come under your control. You would rule over the thoughts of our hearts and minds. That our hearts, meditation, and our minds, focus, would remain upon your word. Save us, O Lord God, from our own wandering thoughts. Keep us riveted to what you want to speak unto us. And Father, while we are in your house, we know that we shall not go away empty. We know that you will richly fill us. For you are the one who feeds the hungry with good things. Therefore, we bless you, we thank you. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our Redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. One of the things that happens during Christmas season is the obvious change in hardware. Like you find the tree coming up and you find the lights Coming up, the tree which was a dust collector on the top of your shelves have come down and found its place on the floor. And there are lights all around it and there are gifts at the foot of the tree, some real, mostly fake. And there's something else that happens that in the morning when you are ready to go to your office, you find notices from the nearby malls pushed under your door saying Christmas season is here. They are telling you to buy things that you don't want with the money that you really want. And then there are children singing jingle bells or Santa Claus is coming to town, or such deeply theological songs. You find them, they are much attracted to the Christmas things. G.K. Chesterton once said that, when we were young we used to pray, God fill our socks with good things. Why then when we are old do we not say, God Thank you for filling our socks with feet. So what's the spirit of Christmas? $75 million will be spent this year in liquor alone. Is that the spirit of Christmas? And there are people who will make $5 million on cards. Greeting cards. So what's the spirit of Christmas? What should we be doing during Christmas? Now the Christmas season has come upon us, the Advent season. The Advent is, is just a word which means the coming. And you have one coming which has happened and you have another coming which is coming. And John the Baptist was sent in prior to the first coming to say that prepare a people for my coming. And you and I did something last Monday to prepare the people for the other coming. 
So the message of John the Baptist and the message of us is quite the same. But then what's the spirit of Christmas? Now Luke has written a narrative unto Theophilus. And Luke has punctuated his narrative which you don't find in the gospel according to Matthew or in Mark or in John. You find that Luke has punctuated his, his Christmas narrative with songs. Now singing is one of the things that we do during Christmas. Right? We sing the songs that are particularly apt for the Christmas season. But here we find four songs. And thankfully we will not go through all four, but just one for the time being. We have four songs, one is by Mary, the mother of Jesus. Then we find a song by Zechariah. Later on we find a song by the angels. And finally we find a song or a psalm or a hymn by Simeon. But there was something that was peculiar, particular about all the four songs, namely these songs were songs of worship. And these songs were songs of encouragement. Encouragement unto the readers and even unto the person who was, who was singing it, who was voicing it. And you find this song in Luke chapter 1, 46 through 55, a song of Mary. And the background of the story, of the song, is, is, is a narrative that happens that there was the old couple, Zechariah and Elizabeth, unto whom an angel appeared and said that you shall be the parents of the forerunner of Christ the Messiah. And then, five months after that, in the sixth month, the Bible says that an angel appeared unto Mary, a young girl, probably not, not older than fifteen. Or 16. And the angel gave an announcement that she is going to be the mother of the Messiah. Now what follows between that appearance of the angel and this song is a mixture of natural and supernatural events. A woman giving, becoming pregnant is a natural thing. But how this woman became pregnant was supernatural. Therefore we find that this, just before the psalm, there are things that happen in the life of this young girl that prompts this song, that prompts this, this psalm, this hymn from her heart. Now after that what would have happened would be quite natural. Mary runs to Elizabeth. And then Mary greets Elizabeth and Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Ghost. She never knew that Mary was pregnant. Because there was no cell phones, she must not have sent a text message. So she runs to the hill country, the mountain country of Judea and she greets her cousin sister. Now that's quite natural. Like when a woman is pregnant, she has to tell someone.
And you don't find her telling to Joseph. But she runs to her cousin sister and says, says something that was a form of a greeting. And immediately Elizabeth says that when your greeting came to my ear, then John the Baptist began to kick. And she is filled with the Holy Ghost. And she says, blessed is the fruit of your womb. How did Elizabeth know that? That's supernatural. So between this psalm and the announcement of the birth of Jesus unto Mary is something that happens natural and supernatural. Indeed, in all our lives we've seen that there is natural and there's supernatural. But the response of Mary is what we are focusing today. And I trust that that will be your response as well. As you look unto what God has done during this season. The Christmas season is given unto us so that we reflect, we remember what God has done unto us. We find here three things and that's where we'll be going. Number one, we will find the attitude of Mary. The attitude of Mary is the real spirit of Christmas, namely worship. Worship is the spirit of Christmas. It is not giving, even though giving may be a part of it. It is not celebration, even though many of us are planning for a good Christmas lunch or a Christmas dinner, which is good. But then prior to that, there was something that needs to be done, which is worship. Worship is the spirit of Christmas. And that's what Mary did. Number one is her attitude. Number two is the object of her worship. And number three, we find the reason for her worship. And that's what this psalm is all about. And if you see that this psalm is not different from any psalm that we find in the, the book of Psalms. Because anywhere you read in the book of Psalms a psalm of praise, you find that there is one, a description of the character of God, a listing out of the deeds of God, and then there is praise. That's how David used to write his psalms, that's for how Asaph has written the psalms, that's how the sons of Korah have written their psalms. That you find that there is a description of God, that there is a, a teaching so-called about God, an attribute about God. You find that in when the children of Israel came out of, of Egypt, Moses began a psalm, a song. And he declared that God has now thrown the rider into the sea. So was the psalm of Miriam. So was the psalm of Hannah. When she bore young Samuel. So we find that psalms or songs of joy and worship are given unto the Lord. So when we look at the attitude of, of Mary in this psalm. We find that number one. Her attitude was that she was deep, she was personal, and she was extravagant in worship. 
she was deep she was personal she was intense and she was extravagant how do we find that verse 47 through to 48 it says oh how my soul praises the lord how my spirit rejoices in god my savior i was reading from the nlt let me just read that for you from the kjv it says that my soul does magnify the lord and my spirit has rejoiced in god my savior for he has regarded the low estate of his hand maiden now how do you know that she was she was praising god deeply from this we find that mary's worship came from within she was saying bless the lord oh my soul and so did the psalmist in psalm 103 he said bless the lord oh my soul and all that is within me bless his holy name some people use that psalm to pray for their food after they've eaten they said everything that is within me bless the lord here mary was saying that everything that is internal that is the seat that is the root of worship let it praise the lord like there is a praise that is offered with the lips alone and we know that there is a praise that is limited to worshiping with the physical being lift up your hands in prayer as our as our people encourage us to do give a clap offering unto the lord all this can be done without the heart would you agree mary worshiped god internally because the moment elizabeth said that you are indeed pregnant how do i know the anointing has come upon me that's how i declare that blessed is the fruit of your womb and the moment she heard this she was filled with such inexpressible joy that she had to burst forth in praise and she said oh bless the lord my soul glorifies the maker i sing my psalm unto him from within me superficial worship is abominable unto god if we begin to worship god superficially it's going to be abominable god said in isaiah chapter 1 and we turn there just for a moment we read from verse 11 onwards to what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices to me says the lord i have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and of fat of fed cattle i do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or of goats when you come to appear before me who has required this from your hand to trample my courts bring no more futile sacrifices incense is an abomination to me did not god ask for it in the first place 
But here he says that superficial worship is something that I hate. I mean, there are many who are in this church and this ought to be a concern for us. That from the beginning of this year, they have been sitting amongst us and worshipping God. But they do not know Christ. They've been here with us for the past 50 odd Fridays. They've lifted their hands in worship. They've sung the same songs. They've given the same clap offering. They've even given their offerings unto God. But they have not worshipped God in spirit or in truth. Jesus said that they that worship God must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Worship is not limited to a place, brethren. That's what the confusion that the Samaritan woman had. She said that we, we Samaritans, we worship God in, on Mount Gerizim. But you Jews say that it is in Jerusalem that we need to worship God. Jesus said, hang on, it's, it's not the place. God is looking for them that worship Him in spirit and in truth. And where does truth reside? Psalm 51 verse 6. You have desired truth in the inward parts. So that's true worship. And that is the appeal of Mary unto us. That is her attitude. Attitude number one, she worshipped God from the depths of her heart, she worshipped God from her whole being and she was extravagant. She said, O Lord, magnify, O my soul, magnify the Lord. That means make Him big. That comes to our, our second attitude, which is the attitude of humility. When she said, I make God big, she was saying, I make myself small. Just think about this. What would a 15-year-old girl who is pregnant and unmarried have to face in a very stringent society like the Jews? What would she have to face? But yet she said, I magnify the Lord. Because she was not concerned about herself. That's attitude number two. Humility. And you know that the proud people cannot worship God because they are busy worshipping themselves. Right? The proud people cannot thank God because they think that God has not done enough for them. And as it is, I deserved it. Proud people cannot worship God because it gets them to bow themselves, which they wouldn't do. Jesus says something interesting in John chapter 10. He says, I am the door. That means that if you need to come to him, and he was using a very, very Jewish example. The doors of those homes during the time of Jesus were, did not have this big lintel. They were small. It happens in my village where I come from. The door had to be small, so they had to bow themselves to get inside the house. That's what Jesus said, I am the door. You have to bow yourself if you have to come. Proud people cannot worship. Mary humbled herself. Attitude number two, she was humble. 
she was humble and she brought herself to such a state that she said that the lord has done mighty things for me i mean proud people say finally the lord has recognized i am worth something i was just expecting him to open his eyes and take note of me but mary said the lord has done mighty things for me and i rejoice in god my savior so what does that tell you tells you that mary was not saved she is not what the catholic church makes her to be she is one of us a sinner who needs to be saved that's why she called god god my savior you see the personal pronoun she might be a lot of things you should respect her reverence her because she was uniquely blessed to be the mother of the lord jesus christ but she need not be worshiped she doesn't hear prayers she doesn't act as an intercessor there is only one intercessor between god and man the man christ jesus number 3 her attitude was a attitude of habitual praise habitual worship how do you know you need to go the english language does not bring it out clearly but the two words magnify and glorify used in verse 46 and 47 is in the present continuous tense that means that she continually magnified the lord she continually thanked the lord is that your attitude or is it that only when you are happy and your spirit is light that you worship god how would you want to worship god this christmas would you want to worship god irrespective of what's happening in your life would you want to lift up your heart in thanksgiving no matter what has happened to you that's habitual praise I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. I will yet bless thee, O my Lord. So that's her attitude. Number 1 it was deep. 2 it was humble. 3 it was habitual. Now how do you get into an attitude of habitual praise? you get into a habitual praise by forgetting to look unto yourself you're not so enamored by yourself you're not so concerned about yourself you look unto the lord to there needs to be a heart of contentment because Jesus said that I have come to give you life and life in abundance what does that mean we focus on the life in abundance which is good but Jesus's focus was I have come you can't separate these two I have come 
That means that you need to come to me. You find abundant life elsewhere as well. By your definition of abundant. But if you have come to me, you need to come in my terms of what abundant life is. Contentment. The Apostle Paul said that godliness with contentment is great. Yeah. Mary was content. She was happy in her situation. She, she said, praise the Lord. That's the spirit of Christmas. That's our attitude in worship. When we worship God, we worship Him with a heart full of gratitude, with a heart full of thanksgiving. From our inmost being, we give thanks unto the Lord. We praise the Lord, we worship the Lord, because He is worthy of it. That's another opportunity, that's another reason, that's another excuse that you have to worship God. Because God is on the throne. No matter what your circumstance, His promise doesn't change. His purpose doesn't change. His personality doesn't change. He says, I am God and I change not. So that's another reason for you to worship God. Because He is unchanging. No matter what happens, Jesus says, I have overcome the world. Why are you fearful? Do we recognize that these are the attitudes we need? Number two, and very quickly, the object of our worship. And it's quite obvious over here, right? The object of our worship was God. But not just that, that's quite simple and straightforward. She was recognizing God as God, her Savior. So what are you thankful for this Christmas? Is it your performance bonus that would come 2014? Which will come in Jesus' name. But is that your reason for worshipping God this Christmas? Is that the core objective for which you are going to thank God? I thank you Lord that... The ministry has declared that all the grades will be equalized in 2014. Hallelujah. And that's true. Pastor is smiling. He knows. He knows. But your joy and my joy should be something more than that. It should be for the soul. God, I thank you that you saved me. Now let me tell you something, if God had not revealed himself as Savior, we would say, God, I thank you for creating the heaven and the earth. I worship you, Lord God, that you are almighty, all-powerful. But then what have you done about my sin? Christian, when he walks up to the cross, the, the burden falls off his back and it says that, it rolled down the hill till it went and hid in the sepulchre. In John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress. What a beautiful way of depicting this. When I went to the foot of the cross, I found that my burden of sin fell off my shoulders, rolled down the hill, and it was hid in the sepulchre. Is that what you are joyful for this Christmas? That God has saved you. 
I am saved. No matter what happens, I am saved. No matter what happens, my soul is secure. Because we sang a song, there's a place where the streets shine, where the glory of the Lord is always there, where there is no need of sun, moon and stars because the glory of the Lord itself is the light over there. Are you sure you're going there? I mean, are you really sure? Are you 100% sure this Christmas that you will make it to heaven? 100% if you drop dead now. Like Ananias and Sapphira. What a nice place to die, right? In church. If you die now. You might send a text to pastor saying, don't let him preach next time. But if you die now, now, would you go to heaven? Would you go to that place where I will see him face to face? I mean, everyone would see God face to face. But Revelation chapter 20 says that, and then I saw The earth and the sea flee from his face. Why? They couldn't stand him. We sing all the songs, but I don't know how we will see him face to face. We would not have time rising up from our knees to see him face to face. Some of us say that when I get to heaven, I need to ask God this and that. You would not. With that kind of attitude, I don't know even if you would get there. Worship. I mean selfless worship, brokenness, brokenness. That's the key to coming close to God. And Mary had that attitude. And the object of her worship was God. We worship God in theology. There are two things that prevent worship. Number one, ignorance. Number two, pride. There was a man called Bhaktsing in India and he used to call people unto him and say, you need to now praise God for 10 minutes without repeating a praise. And the people would start, I bless you Lord, that I thank you Father, you are my creator, I thank you Lord, that you are my provider, I thank you, you are my creator. Eh. Time out. You repeated it. What's your vocabulary of praise? Abraham began to worship God as Jehovah Jireh because God revealed himself as Jehovah Jireh unto him. His life changed from then on. He was ready to give everything. Hagar began to worship God as El Roy, the God who sees. She had a little boy who was a bow shot away from her, waiting for the boy to die. And she saw that the angel of the Lord said, Why are you weeping? Open your eyes. There is a well that has been provided. She began worshipping God as Elroy. What do you think was her theology when she went back to live with the same Sarah from whom she was running away? She looked beyond Sarah. She looked at the one who sees. Are you worshipping God as God? My Savior. My Savior. 
I mean I worship God as my savior. Is it personal pronoun? Are you saved? Would you be there when the role is called up yonder? And number 3 and this is the major part of the psalm which is her reason for worship. We saw that her worship was intense, her worship was deep, her worship was extravagant, her worship was humble, her worship was habitual, and she worshipped God after knowing God personally. And now we find she worshipped God, and this is the reason why she worshipped God, that she saw God as number one, mindful. And that's why I read it from the NIV at the beginning. Because you find those verses, find those particular words in the NIV. My soul magnifies the Lord. It glorifies my maker because he has been mindful of me. That means God remembers me. That's being mindful. God has remembered my low estate. That's what Mary says. She was not trying to get into Oprah Winfrey. She says that Lord has regard for my low estate. How is that? Two things. Number one, she was a nobody. These are words that are banned from the society right now. You shouldn't say nobody. But that's what she said. The New American Standard Bible says that and he has regarded his bond slave. How many of us would like to call ourselves slaves? She says, the Lord has regarded my low estate. The Lord has regarded me. I mean, who am I that the Lord should be mindful of me? Psalm 8, the psalmist says, what is man that you are mindful of him? David says, when, when David wanted to build a house for, for God, God said, no, no, you will not build a house for me, I will build a house for you. Second Samuel chapter 7. And he says that, I will build a house for you. And then David goes, this is beautiful, David goes and sits before the Lord. I mean, David said that, this is going to take a long time, Lord, let me sit down. He sits before the Lord and he says, Lord, you are mindful of me. I mean, I remember my low estate. I was there in the woods taking care of the sheep and you brought me from there and you made me the prince of your people. Do we have that attitude? I mean, there are many of us who have not committed any sin when we were young. We've not lied, we've not stolen. We were, if there were... Any opportunity we would have been venerated. We would have become saint so and so. And in a glass box in the Catholic Church. But then the fact remains that in iniquity I was brought forth, in sin I was conceived. King David, Psalm 51. Create in me a new heart, a clean heart, O Lord God, and renew a right spirit within me. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. When he committed a sin, you know what departed? 
his joy. And Mary says that the Lord has regard for my low estate. He is mindful of me. The Lord is mindful of you. Now that was weak. But then you could whisper once again. Amen. The Lord is indeed mindful of you. Amen. Because he has regarded your low estate. Imagine if Jesus had not come. All you need to do is read few chapters of Deuteronomy. And then you would say, thank you for Jesus. Because you will have to keep each one of them. Each one. I was reading Deuteronomy 22 this morning. And I said, God, I thank you for Jesus. Because it talked about, what if a woman who was given in marriage is proved not to be a virgin? What will happen if your neighbor's cow goes away and you find it on the road? I mean, all you need to do is take a look at the law. And that's why Paul says the law is our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. The law is required. All you need to do is take the Ten Commandments. Have you ever lied? Yes. Have you looked at a woman lustfully? Yes. Have you ever taken God's name in vain? Yes. Have you gotten angry with a brother? Yes. That means you are a lying blasphemer. I need you, Lord. Mary said, the Lord has been mindful of me. Number two, the Lord is mighty. We find that in verse 48, 49. The Lord is mighty. The Lord has done mighty things for me. She begins with herself and she extends it unto the generation to come. Now that's a good way of praising God. Number one, you begin it with yourself. You extend it to the generation. She said that, and mighty are you, you will show mighty things to them that fear you, that fear your name from this generation unto generations to come. Generation to generation is blessed by the Lord because of God's faithfulness. And three, she says God is merciful. And that's what we sang a little while ago. Our pastor helped us to sing. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever in a dark season. Jeremiah cried out. And he said, Lord, it is because of your mercy that we have not been consumed. Not because I deserved anything. Now, mercy is greater than forgiveness. Because forgiveness finds its root in mercy. It is because of mercy that Jesus accepted the prostitutes and the tax collectors and the drunks and the thieves. It is because of mercy that he would see through the hypocrisy. It is because of mercy that Jesus sat and wept with those who lost It is because of mercy that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. 
Mercy sees your and my position that we are not worth it and yet lifts us up. Now there are three things that happen to the proud and three things that happen to the humble that you find in Mary's psalm. Let's quickly look at it over here. Verse 51, he has scattered the proud in their vain imagination. I don't know what Mary was thinking. Maybe she was thinking about redemptive history. Right from the time of the children being brought out from Egypt. Maybe she was thinking about the life that would happen when the Messiah comes. The message for you and I is that this is what we should think because Jesus has come. Because he has scattered the thoughts of the proud people. Number two, he has thrown down the proud from their thrones. Number three, the rich has gone hungry. Empty. The rich, empty. Now that's an oxymoron, right? The rich and empty, who, sh- who ought to be filled? The rich. But who has been emptied now? We remember a rich young ruler coming and having all the right, right questions. He said, what must we do to be saved? But then he went home empty because he was not ready to bow down and come in through the door. But then, look at three things that the Lord does for them that are humble. In contrast, verse 50, He shows mercy to all those who fear Him. He lifts up the humble, verse 52. Verse 53, He fills the hungry with good things. Again, two things that you need for worship. Hunger and a heart. You need to be hungry about the Lord. I can't get enough of worship. For what He has done for me, I need to worship. I am hungry, Lord. And give me a heart to worship. When David prayed for Solomon, he said, A loyal mind, a loyal heart and a willing mind. God is inviting us to these things. I don't know what Mary had in mind. So two things we need to have, or two things we don't want, is ignorance and pride. Two things we need is knowledge, heart, and we need to have this attitude of hunger. Probably she was thinking about Nebuchadnezzar. Probably she was thinking about Saul. Or maybe... She was thinking about Daniel, who got lifted up. Joseph. But beyond all this, these are historical examples given unto us. I want you to look into your own life. Are you hungry? Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger, for they shall be filled. Are you meek? Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the kingdom of God. Are you poor? Blessed are the poor, for they shall inherit 
inherit beautiful word inherit because you didn't work for it they shall earn the kingdom of heaven i thank god that god in favor inherit given as a gift so what's your worship like this christmas season let's bow our hearts in prayer god is a saving god he is mindful he is mighty he is merciful that's true worship we're coming to the close of the year and i find that there are those who are not born again and i'm deeply concerned for your souls you've not humbled yourself unto god yes you've been coming to church you've been giving your offering you've been singing all the songs your child also attends the the classes but it does not make you a christian and quite frankly your worship has not been in spirit and in truth can i request you as i give you another opportunity through the lord through the prompting of the holy spirit can i plead with you that you would join the class of mary the mother of our lord jesus christ who humbled herself and said god my savior would you want this god as your savior are you willing to recognize your poverty of spirit are you willing to recognize your lowliness are you ready to say that this god is my savior would you humble yourself under the lord would you repent then god is merciful god is mighty to save my arm is not shortened that i cannot save says the lord if you want to recognize yourself would you would you please be on your feet and allow me an opportunity to please pray for you to pray with you i plead you before this season runs out would you settle it with the lord so that next time we join here in fellowship you would worship in spirit and in truth that there would be joy unspeakable in your house in your heart and there'll be joy in heaven would you please allow me the privilege of praying with you if you're here please i request you please be on your feet now i would love to pray with you father you know them that are not yet saved they are offering the fruit of their lips but their hearts are far away unto these would you not grant repentance thank you lord for you are mighty to save and as many of us as have put our trust in you god 
we rejoice in this season along with Mary. We thank you for the truth of scripture that cuts to the very core of our being and shows us who we actually are, that we are poor and we are needy. But thank you, Lord, that you are a God who is mindful. You have not left us in our own estate. But you've seen our lowliness. You've regarded our low estate. And thank you for sending your son. Father, we take a moment to give you thanks for coming in the form of a man. Lord, that he who knew no sin became sin for us. That we might become the righteousness of God. And Father, we also are not mindful, are not forgetful of the mighty things that you have done for us in the past. We recount them one by one, lift them up in thanksgiving. We don't deserve any, O Lord. And we celebrate your grace in our lives. We say, thank you, Lord. And as we celebrate Christmas this year, help us to also be mindful that you are coming again. That we must prepare ourselves to be a people ready for the Lord. Waiting for your glorious appearance. We thank you for all that you have done unto us as individuals, as a family, and as a church. We recognize, O oh Lord, that we are not good on our own. Help us, Father. Even as you continue to look at your own life, ask yourself some questions. What does this Christmas season mean to you? Is Christ the central part of your life? Or is Christ just an appendix every Friday? We are coming close to the end of 2013. And there are some hard questions we need to answer. Christ doesn't want us to walk into 2014 with the attitudes we had of 2013. Christ is asking, what is your attitude to Christ today? Like Mary, do you choose to worship Him in spirit and in truth? Are you thankful for all that he is to you. Do we come with a spirit of humility? Or do we think that I am better than my neighbor? There is one question we need to settle right now, each one of us. Do we know Jesus as our personal savior? Or he, is he just a provider? These are questions which we need to answer for ourselves. 
Christmas is a season when the whole world exchanges gifts. But the greatest gift we have is as is written in Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. In Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's just thank the Lord right now. Because God has just revealed to us His heart. He's just told us through the life of Mary, through the response of Mary, of how He wants us to be. He says, this is the way I want you to be. Have you heard God today? Has God spoken? Has the last 40 minutes meant anything to us? Father God, we just want to thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, Father, that once again you have shown yourself to be so mindful of each and every one of us, Lord. That you are concerned for us, Lord, Father. That you want every one of us to make our future safe. 100%. And Father God, we thank you, Lord, that you have given us the word today, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that even as we look at the life of Mary, Lord Father, none of us will venerate her as somebody who can bring our thoughts to you, Lord Father. But rather, God, we thank you that you used a woman as her, Lord. And we thank you, Lord Father, that you came in order to give us life. Father God, right now, even as we look back on our, this year, as we look back on our own lives, we pray, Lord, that we, we surrender ourselves to you, Lord. We just want to give ourselves to you, Lord Father. We want to say, Lord, Father, be Savior and Lord in my life. Make me the kind of person you want me to be. Make me the right person to be called your child, Lord Father. Father God, we want to thank you, Lord Father, for speaking to us this day, Lord. And we want to thank you, Lord Father, for your servant whom you have used this day. We pray, Lord, that your hand of blessing will be upon him and his family, Lord Father. You will continue to anoint him, Lord Father. And you will continue to speak to us through him, Lord, your words of life. We thank you, we praise you. Father God, we continue to commit the rest of the day into your hands, the rest of this month into your hands, Lord. And we pray, Lord, that even as we prepare ourselves for 2014, Lord, we will step into 2014 as new creatures, Lord Father. We will not carry that baggage of 2013, Lord. We thank you, we praise you, we give all glory to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Shall we share the grace? May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all, now and forevermore. Amen. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives. And we shall the house of the Lord forever and ever. 
Amen. God bless you all.